With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Radio 1360 KKTX. Lago here, 0806. CEO of the port, Sean Strawbridge is with us. And do I need to intro this? No, this is just the uh, weather report that Paul Alexander gave us last hour. Okay. What Mac is telling me is that it looks like we're going to get a break in the rain from about 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., but then more storms are going to be rolling in from the west after that. Obviously, flooding is going to be a problem. Mac advises that if you can at all avoid pre-dawn travel, please do so. And he says this in no uncertain terms. If you're thinking about heading toward Houston, just forget it. I do have a, a list of school delays and closures here as well. Aransas County ISD and Port A ISD, Flower Bluff ISD, and Texas A&M University Corpus Christi have all been delayed. Uh, Aransas County is going to start at about 9.30 a.m. Buses uh, and and the campuses, and secondary campuses, rather, will open at 10.30, and the buses are going to follow that schedule. Port A ISD has announced a two-hour delay. As far as Flower Bluff, pre-K a.m. classes at the Early Childhood Center have been canceled. Pre-K p.m. classes are on regular schedule. All other campuses on a two-hour delay with junior high and high school beginning at 10 a.m. Bus routes will also follow this scheduled, and the Island University has been delayed until 9 a.m. So far, as far as we know, CCISD, Del Mar College, Gregory Portland ISD are all running as normal. All right. The uh, man of many talents, news director at uh, KRIS TV. It's uh, Paul Alexander. Speaking of uh, many talents, Sean Strawbridge, CEO of the uh, Port of Corpus Christi and uh, proud father of Tanner, uh, who is an Army officer. Navy. Navy officer. Uh, right. Navy midshipman, uh, class of 2020 at the United States Naval Academy, also the reigning uh, brigade boxing champion at a 132 pounds. We talked about that when he uh, won the boxing championship. Yeah, it's he's look. He's an impressive young man. Well, uh, I wish I was squared away at, when I was his age. I never, I I never would have associated him with boxing. No, uh, nor I, and uh, because he's such a kind of a dispassionate, mild mannered kid and uh but what i've learned is you know you you know the old tyson 
uh, quote, you know, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the nose. Right. And uh, at the end of the day, what boxing really is about is it's about strategy. It's about uh, keeping calm. It's not about emotion. It's it's another sport, and you've got to keep your head about you. And I think that's probably more than anything. It's it's not so much his athletic prowess as it is his ability to. Uh, stay calm and certainly work through his opponent's uh, strengths and, and, and weaknesses, right? Absolutely. Uh, dedication to the task at hand and be able to work through that pain of getting hit in the mouth or the nose. I mean, you bump your nose every once in a while and you can't see anything because your eyes are watering. Yeah, that's <laughs> That is, uh, that's true. Um, and I will tell you, you know, I have a full respect for uh, anybody that has any, any, you know, boxing skills whatsoever, uh, whether they're at 132 pounds or 232 pounds, uh, you know, boxing is boxing and a punch in the nose from anybody is going to hurt. Not be my choice of sports. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But golf is, uh, I'll stick to golf. The, uh. I'm going with fishing. The kerfuffle about um, Harbor Island and uh, what you're going to, I don't know, destroy or not destroy, it's uh, an increase of how many barrels per day? Well, Harbor Island... Uh, we, we, the port entered into a, a 50 year lease agreement with a company called Lone Star Ports. Uh, we just did that last month. Uh, Lone Star Ports is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Carlisle Group and uh, Barry Group, uh, which, as you know, is a, a local family that owns Bay uh, Limited, the construction company. So we've got some local partners in there. We've got some uh, large private equity money. Uh, Jerry Ashcroft, uh, who was uh, with me at the Hooks game last night, he's the CEO of Lone Star Ports. He's an impressive uh, young man. He uh, is a Naval Academy grad as well. He was a Marine officer and a pretty squared away fella uh, and has a a long and rich uh, experience in the oil and gas industry. So we're pretty excited about the team that they've put together. Okay. What, what, what Harbor Island is really designed to do, Jim, mm-hmm. is is really be the linchpin for crude exports. There's a lot of challenges at the Port of Houston. Uh, you can see right now the oil and gas industry, the energy sector, has really taken aim at the Port of Houston because less than 20% of the tonnage that moves through the Houston Ship Channel is containers, yet – Seventy percent of the port's revenues are containers, and there's been some some a lot of uh, concern about the container ships uh, causing congestion and delays at the expense of the well, energy sector. One accident or spill in the Houston ship channel could shut it down for days and be devastating. Well, yeah, and it's not even an accident in the Houston Ship Channel. Look at what happened with that OTI uh, tank farm uh, fire where those nine tanks burned. That was adjacent to the Ship Channel and it shut down the Ship Channel uh, for a fair amount of time as well yep. uh, because of the the foam and all of the runoff from the yeah. the, the, the firefighting uh, putting that out that, that leaked into the, the Houston Ship Channel. We have a great opportunity here to really differentiate ourselves. I think Houston is going to be a great 
uh, gateway for LPGs, for polymers, for petrochemicals. But when it comes to crude oil, I think that is really the Port of Corpus Christi's sweet spot. And that's why when you see guys like Jeff Hildebrand and, and, and others putting their investments here, Moda Midstream over at Oxy Ingleside, Carlisle Group out at Harbor Island. But we ha- have to do things in a responsible manner. We have to do it uh, in a secure manner. We certainly want to do things that are going to make the community proud. We're not going to please everybody. And there is a small but vocal constituency of what I'm going to call newcomers or second homeowners in Port Aransas, some of which uh, made their money in the oil and gas industry, which is very interesting for me for them to take a position of opposition when, you know, that's how their wealth was created. And Harbor Island right now already has industrial operations on it. And, you know, I, we call them the three sisters, those yeah. three rigs that have been out there for a couple of years. Uh, nobody seems to be complaining about that. That's on the Ed Rochelle Foundation property. There are shipments that are going in and out of the Ed Rochelle Foundation property being operated by Gulf Copper today. Martin Midstream is on the other side of our property. So, you know, it, it seems to me to be a bit con- capricious and somewhat disingenuine that you've got a constituency that's taking full aim at the port when there's already industrial operations going on at Harbor Island. But that being said, we are going to do things in a responsible manner. We're going to do things in a low risk. We move a lot of crude oil today through this port, through the, the, the Corpus Christi ship channel, the same ship channel that the Texas State Aquarium draws its water out for its dolphin exhibit. We take our environmental impacts and our environmental stewardship and responsibility extremely seriously, which is why the commitment that we required – not asked, but required of the Carlisle Group, is that they build the most secure, most environmentally responsible facility in the entire country right there at Harbor Island. And the Harbor Island, I think, is going to take the pressure off building an offshore uh, facility like Trafigura was proposing. And it's going to be safer loading and unloading onshore than offshore. I mean, that's what Everybody tells me. Well, that's how it's done today. That's how everybody does it in Houston or Los Angeles or New York or Florida or Rotterdam or Hong Kong. It's all done in what we call safe harbor. Now, you know, interestingly, a little bit of a chuckle. uh, Some of the opposition folks out there in Port Aransas have named our uh, the Harbor Island Terminal the safe harbor island terminal. I don't think I can say the acronym for that on on air, but we found that to be somewhat uh, – we got a little bit of a chuckle out of that. Let me uh, go to the phones. Kathy, good morning. Welcome to Lago in the Morning. Good morning. Uh, Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, Yes, I would like to address Mr. Strawbridge's statement about that being a small group of people over here in Port Aransas, and some are just second homeowners. Uh, I would like to say that this group over here, it's actually pretty much the whole town. And it doesn't matter whether they are second homeowners or have been living here a long time. We've got both. Uh, both, both, everybody is in this, uh, in, in our court. Uh, and we have a reason to oppose Harbor Island. And the reason that we oppose is because it is right there at the mouth of a very important fishery for this whole area for Rockport, for Aransas Pass, for Port Aransas, and where they want to put this, should there be any type of spill there, 
that would be the end of that fishery. And it's not a little question. Everybody, if you talk to the scientists, the scientists over here, they will tell you the same thing. It would be devastating to this area. So for Mr. Strawbridge to sit here and claim that we are just a few people, it's not true. There are so many of us now. Our membership or our group, the people who have jumped on okay, board. That, that, this that's town. fine and well and good. It, it, it's impossible for me to um, validate what you're saying, you know, about the whole town. Uh, I haven't talked to – I haven't talked to too many people – that have uh, that to say. Well, I, I suggest you come over here in Fort Aransas. It's not I've hard. Been. We've got at least 106 businesses that are all opposed to all the activities for this. And as far as industrial uh, uh, activities over on Harbor Island, those activities fall within the current city zoning. Okay. And they aren't a threat to the estuary. They're not. They're not uh, dealing with high, you know, major chemicals and major uh, pollutants that will threaten the fishery. In this case, the port is planning on doing that, and that is the difference here. It, their activities will not fall within what our current city ordinances are. Well, um, if I can. Jim, sure. uh, address the, your your caller's uh, comment there. Uh, certainly, our our operations fall within the zoning uh, requirements of the uh, of the city, or at least the the the, the way that that property is zoned. It was a terminal for sixty plus years. Uh, it's still zoned for industrial operations. It's still zoned to be a marine terminal. What? You can't do out there, and we certainly respect that, and and will continue to respect that. You can't do any processing or refining out there. So this is purely a transfer, a conveyance of crude oil, uh, and there are so many safety measures that are in place now from equipment uh, that a, a any kind of a, a spill that would have the type of impacts that that uh, your caller Kathy is is referring to is virtually impossible. Well, are you? Is this transportation through a pipeline? Yeah, so there's a. It would be a pipeline to a tank farm that would not be actually on Harbor Island. Uh, then there, you have to have surge tanks. So there will be a few tanks on Harbor Island, but that's not where the main storage is. The main storage is going to be off Harbor Island for a couple of reasons. One, you're seeing more storage being built back in Taft, uh, south of Taft, in an area called Midway Junction, yeah. and Midway allows for the the conveyance then to the inner harbor to Ingleside and and certainly uh, going forward to Harbor Island. So you want to have a, an area there where you can have some optionality, uh, but then you've got to have some surge tanks to be able to get the same load rates. But there are so many safety measures in place, and we load nearly 800,000 barrels a day of crude oil in, in this port. We load a similar amount of transportation fuels, gasoline, diesel, Jet A, uh, in this port, and we have virtually no spills here and haven't had spills here for decades. News Radio 1360, KKTX. CEO of the port, Sean Strawbridge, in the box on the KKTX outline. Good morning, Ryan. Welcome to Lago in the morning. Good morning. Hey. Yeah, I just uh, had a question of, uh, last week, the uh, 
Transport Commission held a special meeting to make some changes to the ethics policy and contemplate the continued employment of Mr. Spellbridge. And I was just curious as to what that was about and get his take on it. Uh, uh, well, thanks for think those are great questions. But yes, there the port commission held a special meeting last week, and at that meeting they adopted a new uh, or a, a amended uh, code of conduct and ethics policy. And really, what that was was a codification of some of our existing policies that had existed in some other. Areas So we've got operating rules for the commission. We've got a uh, employee handbook, a manual with our policies and procedures. Mm -hmm. And we thought that it was and this was a suggestion that came from our uh, our elected delegation uh, led by uh, Senator Chewy Hinojosa, uh, Representative Abel Herrero, who's our representative for the port. A district, uh, certainly uh, Todd Hunter, uh, Representative Hunter, Chairman Hunter, who's been a, a great friend of the port for a, a long time. And what we did is we took those and we put them into one policy that we felt would be a great benchmark for other ports in Texas to emulate. And we are taking that now that it's been passed by our commission to the Texas Ports Association, and we're going to encourage other members of uh, the Texas Ports Association uh, to uh, consider and, and perhaps adopt uh, these uh, these of code of conduct and, and ethics uh, policies for their, their ports as well. And the real impetus for that, I think, for your caller is, look, we are a governmental agency. We're an independent political district of the state of Texas. The revenues that we generate from the fees that we charge our customers or the leases uh, of the facilities, the lease revenues from the facilities that we lease to our customers, those become public funds when they're paid to the port. They're not taxpayer dollars because we don't receive taxpayer revenues, but they certainly are public funds. And as stewards of public funds, we need to ensure a level of transparency and a confidence by the citizens of the state of Texas and the elected officials that represent them. And that's really what this was designed to do. Uh, with respect to my contract, I'm... Um, You're still here. Yeah, I'm still here, and uh, they have uh, given me a nod that uh, they'd like to keep me around, so uh, they've extended my contract through 2023. How's that, Ryan? That's it. All right. Have a good one. You too. I didn't know your contract was up. Somebody that tells me stuff didn't tell me that. Well, uh, was it not common knowledge? Well, I mean, everything is is public record uh, in terms of what the port uh, does, and uh, from a from a governance standpoint, and you know, we John Larue is with the Lucky Land Slots. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is retiring at the end of the month. Uh, John has been the executive director of the port for 25 years. Uh, his title this year uh, for this last six months is special advisor to the commission. This is what I would call his victory lap 
uh, well-deserved, well-earned. In fact, uh, the uh, Gulf Ports Association just made him an honorary lifetime member, uh, which means he, I don't think he has to pay any dues to uh, to show up at their meetings as well. But, you know, in order to make somebody uh, an honorary lifetime member, the other members have to acknowledge and support that. And I, I got a whole bunch of emails last night from – places like Gulfport, Mississippi and Freeport and uh, New Orleans and everybody without uh, exception is absolutely supportive of recognizing John for his, uh, you know, his his leadership and his contribution to this industry. He is uh, somebody that we certainly should be thankful for his uh, his contribution to this community. But I think the port also the port commission, as he uh, rides off into the next uh, chapter of his life wanted to ensure that there was going to be some continuity here. And so they, um, I, I guess, uh, they thought that I was doing a good enough job that they wanted to keep good. me around for another few years. Well, it was a port conference here. And uh, for some reason, I can't remember why I went, but everybody was talking about John LaRue and he, the reputation he had. At the time that we hired him, and he was brand new then. Yeah, and, you know, I just feel fortunate to uh, – he's he certainly made my job a lot easier because he set the table so well uh, that, you know, when I come in and we see this kind of growth and when you already have the pieces in place, it just makes it a heck of a lot easier. And I'll, I'll leave your, your listeners with this. The same recruiter, because uh, I was in Palm Beach, Florida, when uh, the recruiter called, uh, that brought me here is the recruiter that brought John LaRue here 25 years ago. Okay, I like that. Jen Oldberg, coming up. Riders on the storm. Riders on the storm. Into this house we're born. News Radio 1360 KKTX. Lago here. Glad you're along this morning. Blake's in the box, 0837. And I stuck my uh, head out the uh, door. It's not raining. Still severely cloudy, but yeah. Yeah. Rain has cleared up. We've um, been talking this week about the uh, exhibit that uh, Kent Ulberg is. Having at the Art Museum of South Texas, it's a week from today. We have the uh, artists on the KKTX hotline. Good morning, Kent. How are you? Good morning, Jim. I'm doing great. And uh, I'm here with my management, my wife, Vila. Vila is there? Yes, I'm here. How are you, Jim? I'm, uh, I'm just great. It's good to hear your voice. Ah, good to hear yours, too. We hear it all the time. <laughs> you guys are, are um, just in throes of uh, busy getting stuff ready to uh, open up next week? Yes. Uh, of course, all the work is done by the museum staff and stuff. But we still have to gather together, you know. It's uh, 65 sculptures. Yeah. And 13 of them are from the museum's collection. And the rest, most of the rest comes from us and a few private collectors. And uh, so it's been quite a bit of logic, you know. And then, of course, all the 
information they wanted because it's retrospective. So it's looking back about 55 years at least. And uh, so there's photography. There is some, they wanted old sketchbooks. And, uh, you know, I, I keep sketchbooks when I travel all over the world, diving and, and so on. But they're mostly notebooks. And, but they wanted all that stuff. So it's, it's been a lot of digging, you know. Verily, do you, do you get, does he give you a say in this? Do you say, no, I, I think you ought to do this? Uh, yes, yeah, uh-huh. I <laughs> and not only a say, but the boss, what do you think? <laughs> what, what is the biggest uh, sculpture you've ever done? Um, the biggest yeah. individual sculpture is um, a fountain in Fort Lauderdale, the main element there is about 30 foot tall. And it's a sailfish jumping. It's a fountain with three sailfish. It's called sailfish in three stages of ascending. So it wow. analyzes the fish jumping up and finally ends up 30 foot tall with water spraying. But the biggest project I've ever done, probably the biggest in the world, certainly with wildlife, is in Omaha, Nebraska. And it takes up four city blocks, and it's, uh, it's 58 Canada geese with eight-foot wingspan, bigger than life, uh, leaving from a fountain, flying into the city, attached to buildings, traffic lights, flying through corners of buildings, and they got flushed by a herd of bison, eight bison running through town, and some of them running through buildings too. So it's basically, I was given part of, Omaha as a canvas, you know, so it was a fantastic job. It took almost 10 years. I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's amazing. You are? Yeah. I, I was going to say, I, I got the, I drug the pictures out and looked at them and, um, it's, uh, I have, it, it's just an awe inspiring piece of work. Well, thank you. And Especially the idea behind it. I mean, you look at something like that and you go, well, it makes a lot of sense, but how did he see that? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I have to credit the patron, First National Bank of Omaha, uh, Bruce Lauritsen, the, the bank president at the time. Uh, his ancestors came from Denmark and started the first bank in Omaha on, on the river, you know, on the, and um, they were trading gold dust, and buffalo hides, <laughs> the, the trading post, basically. And then the next generation built the first bank and so on. And now Bruce Lauritsen built the tallest bank uh, between here, there and California and, and wanted to renew downtown. So it was a tremendous job working with landscape architects. We turned a dirty old parking lot full of beer cans and dirt into an urban park you know, with the fountain. So it was quite a big job, and it took a lot of patience from the patron and from the city because we had to reinforce traffic lights, you know, that uh, they have big bronze geese attached to it. It could be most embarrassing if one of those fell off and hit the car, you know, and, and so on, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was just uh, thinking what uh, an incredible start and... Just automatic bringing credibility to an area of downtown called the Arts District. 
If, yeah. If well, we can, also, if we can... you know, but it's it, they also wanted to reflect on the on the on the history of Omaha, you know, because that was the jumping off point, as you know, for the westward migration, for the wagon trains and everything. So, you know, at the time, um, you know, the, the all that wilderness was there. So, you know, I call it spirit of Nebraska wilderness. Because it was all wild, but the spirit is still with us. And, of course, spirits don't respect buildings. They fly and go where they want, you know. <laughs> yeah, but the the bison going through buildings, and you see the rear end on one end of the building and and the uh, head emerging on the other side, it's a, it's a really heck of a piece of work. And you... What, you hooked them together and then sculpt them and they put them into place? Yes. Uh, well, what I did first, you know, I built a little scale model. I created a scale of the wall of the parking garage that he's running through a corner of. And then I showed that to the clients and to the city and, uh, and got approval. And then I did a big one, all scaled and, and sculpted to the exact dimensions okay. of the wall, you know. And right. But I also had to carve. It was a granite kind of rock wall, so I had to do a bit of carving on, on directly on the wall. I had to do some stone carving to make it fit. So it was most interesting. <laughs> well, it must have been fun going back through um, some of your work, especially going all the way back to high school. Verla, uh, are you still there? Yeah, I am. Listen, Go ahead. W- would you, would you take me through the uh, proper uh, way to pronounce your uh, name again? You did you did a marvelous job of that uh, that weekend in the hill country, but I haven't seen you in a while, so I've forgotten. Oh well, it's still Verla. V e e r l e, and it's it's the Flemish name. Beerla. Yes, you got it. Okay, Beerla. All right. And what? How did you? Uh, you look at some of that stuff that, and he's talking about going back to high school. I'm talking to the Olbergs, and this is uh, some of the stuff that's going to be on exhibit coming up uh, a week from today at the Art Museum of South Texas. And you're looking back at the high school stuff, and you're thinking, what? Are you playing those uh, memory movies in the back of your head? Yes, indeed, <clears throat> I am, and uh, it is so much to to think about. Really, you know, when I mean, all of it is memories. You know, because I I studied all in Europe, many places. You know, and, and sculpting, and uh, in Germany first, I got uh, my uh, diploma from a German university, and then. I worked in a museum south of Paris for a bit. So all those, the Paris experience and all that stuff, and especially one piece from my Paris experience, from my sketchbook that I had in Paris. And there was a blind fiddler on the street in Paris. And it, it was very powerful for me. And the, the, the page on the sketchbook from that far back is on the wall in the museum. And... The sculpture, it inspired a, a bronze sculpture. And, and it was so powerful because I studied the violin as a young man. And here's a man 
down and out in rags, standing there with his violin <clears throat> and blind. And, and he was so down. And then I asked him to play, and he picked up his violin, and he played like a virtuoso, Paganini concerto or something, you know. And, and I was so moved. I was tears running down my face. It was so powerful because he rose in dignity above his poverty. And, you know, <clears throat> experiences like that, when you look through old sketchbooks and stuff like that, it, it's, it's very powerful to look back. What... Um and uh, are you ta- are are the um, from the sketchbooks? Is that like uh, pencil? It's black and white. Yeah, mostly it's um, it's Conte crayon, mm. brownish or or charcoal, or sometimes just pencil. You know, it's whatever. I mean, uh, they're basically diaries from travel. I mean, like you know, today we're doing this and that and. A lot of it are actually from my dives around the world because I'm very much a, a diver. I study the marine life underneath. You know, in ba- basically, I don't sculpt something that I haven't seen and experienced. So, you know, I've been underwater with marlin and sailfish and sharks and in, in the barrier reef. And, and my dive buddy, Guy Harvey, who you might have heard of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, you remember we were on we were on your program together. Yeah, together. Yes, and the yeah. uh, guy and I have been all over the world diving together. And of course, he is a PhD marine biologist. Yeah. So I've learned a lot from him. You know about anatomy, fish, and wildlife anatomy. You know marine life. Well, you know the that was a really a great day for me, and uh, I have you to thank for that. But. I, I didn't know any of those things about Guy Harvey. I thought he just did T-shirts, so, you know, put redfish on shirts so, you know, uh, it would make the fish more famous. Uh, uh, and I thought, holy mackerel, the guy's, <laughs> the guy's a Ph.D. <laughs> Excuse me. That was uh, that, that was really a fun program to do. Uh and uh, I, I, I just uh, this is way overdue. I, what I was getting at earlier about the uh, cementing the arts part of uh, downtown, you know, the C district, the entertainment district, and the art district would be a, a, a new Kent Olberg Gallery and Studio downtown. <laughs> that would be very nice indeed. Yes, we can gang up on that. Okay, yes. all right. I'm, I'm going to stay after you on this I one. I think that's a good idea. I, just, I, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> well, Jim, unfortunately, there are many people with different opinions about the arts, and some people do not like, still don't like uh, realism. They want abstract art and stuff like that. And, but in this exhibition, it actually will show my... Um, my uh, journeys in abstraction too because as a student in the 60s I mean that's all that was allowed for us and and then I studied like I said in Paris and stuff and so I did experiment a bit as well with abstraction but I love nature so much that I really want to talk about nature the way it is so it can communicate to everybody you know you've done a marvelous job of that just marvelous 
I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, we'll uh, continue to talk about it next week. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing both you and Verla on um, uh, Friday. Excellent. Looking forward to it, too. Thank you so much for the time. Kent, thanks. Have a good day. You, too. God, they're just really wonderful people. News Radio 1360 KKTX. The uh, weather is probably going to affect the uh, ball games that were scheduled for today. Um, Channel 6 is uh, keeping a tab of those, aren't they? I believe they are, yes. I haven't uh, looked at their latest updates, but yeah, they are. I was looking for an update. I thought I could post it, but uh, I didn't find one. Mother's Day is uh, coming up, uh, of course, on uh, Sunday. There's a guy that wants to ban Mother's Day. And then there's uh, Bernie Sanders. This Mother's Day, give your mom a beautiful bouquet of flowers. In fact, give a bouquet of flowers to everybody's mother, no matter the cost. Everybody is entitled to their fair share of flowers. And as a Mother's Day socialist, it's up to each taxpayer to spread the flowers evenly. That's the Mother's Day I want to celebrate. This has been a Mother's Day gift idea from Bernie Sanders. (sighs) So... I guess it made not one florist happy. <laughs> I don't blame you. Have yourself a Blue Bell Country Weekend. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.